0: We are just doing a two-week series on vision, and we're in week two, so that'll be that. We'll be done with vision after this week. Next week, we're going to talk about uh, marriage and relationships, because it's Valentine's Day next Sunday, and so we're going to have a a special emphasis on Ephesians chapter 5 and dealing with husbands and wives and those types of, you know... uh, relationships and such and so it's going to be fun next week dealing with all that because that's a big big deal Huge part of living a happy life and a successful life, but we're going to finish the vision series today So let's pray and then we'll recap and go through vision So heavenly father I thank you for this day and I thank you for this group of people lord and the openness to to connecting with you. And Lord, I ask you to bless our time. We thank you that you don't leave us on this earth to wander around, do the best we can, but you guide us by your spirit and you guide us by your word. Lord, help us today. Each one of us is needing a different answer, a different thing from you. And I know by your spirit, you can touch each one of us with what we need. So I ask you to do that and bless our time. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen Amen at Good Hope Church we both have a vision statement and we know our vision statement. It is one of the most unique churches in the nation because not only do we have a vision statement, we actually know what it is. And that is a big, big deal because if we don't know what it is, how are we going to do it? And if we're not doing it, then we're scattered and run all over the place in different directions and nothing gets done. What we need to do is work together so that we can accomplish important things for the kingdom of God in an in order to stay on track, we have our vision statement. Some might call it a slogan. I don't really care what you call it, but what we need to do is know it and put it into practice. And here is the vision statement. It's simply reach up, rise up, reach out. And there are hand motions that go with it, and we're going to do the hand motions, and I'm sorry if that makes you uncomfortable, my wife hates hand motions, however, I want to know if you're willing to work together, and this is a very simple thing, you can overcome your anxiety and do the hand motions, and... (laughs) If we can do that together, perhaps the Lord will allow us to do other things together as well. And we can step into more significant significant things beyond doing hand motions together. So let's see if we have the type of hearts that are capable of doing this. Let's find out. So if you don't know the hand motions, just watch me. It's very, very simple. So simply this, reach up, rise up, and reach out. Nicely done, you're good people. Good people, good people. So, last week we talked about those three. Reach up. A real relationship with the living God is available to you. A real relationship with the living God is available to each one of us. We can have that connection with Christ. We can also go through life without it. You can come to church and connect with God, or you can come to church and not connect with God. Right? A real relationship with the living God is available to you, but that does not mean that you have uh, attained to that relationship with the living God. You might have a relationship with church. That's good, but it's not a relationship with God. You might have a relationship with a preacher. Like, I like that dude. He's, you know, he's on fire, whatever. That's cool, but it's not a relationship with God. We need to have a relationship with the living God. Reach up to make that connection. We can go boldly before the throne of grace and receive mercy in our time of need. That is something we have access to. And so we want to, grab hold of that. So that's reach up. Then rise up is simply this. A real relationship with the living God will change you. You will grow out of dysfunction and and miry clay and all that mess into who God has called you to be. A real relationship with the living God will change you is rise up and then reach out A real relationship with the living God will call you to action. You will be called to action. If you have a real relationship with the living God and you see someone who was created in the image of God, who was made to have everlasting life in the paradise of God, a person who Jesus died for, but who is separated from the promises of God, you want them to have it. And so you're motivated to get something done. If you see a person who is being fooled by the devil, who's being brought into things that are self-destructive, you want them to be rescued from that and brought into the victory we have in Christ. So you're motivated, you're called to action to make a difference for the kingdom of God in this world. Reach up. A real connection with the living God is available to you. Rise up. A real relationship with the living God will change you and reach out. A real relationship with the living God is a call to action. And today we're going to go deeper into putting faith into action. That's what we're called to do, put our faith into action. So let's look at some scriptures relating to this, putting our faith into action. Let's go to James chapter 1. I love James. Uh, James is very straightforward. You know, Minnesota nice. You, you know, we we're, we're tend not to be very straightforward in Minnesota. You know, we've got the Minnesota maybe. You know, the Minnesota maybe is a no. You know, well, maybe I'll be there. That's... Forget it. You know I'm not gonna be there. Uh, Yes is maybe. (laughs) You know, so uh, you know, like try to get Minnesotans to RSVP. You know, good luck with that. It's it's a it's a difficult process. They might show up, but they're not gonna tell you they're going to. And if they say they might, then that means they won't. But James is not like that. James, boom, what he's thinking, he's gonna say it. And there it is. And so he lays it out, and I appreciate that because it's easier to understand when someone is straightforward. You don't have to read between the lines. And so let's look at James chapter 1, starting in verse 22. Isn't that a cool, funky thing there? I don't know. Something, something went wild in the, uh, in the cordage up there, but that, that's okay. Here we go. James 1, 22. Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do... What it says, this is an incredibly interesting verse because it says you can listen to the Word of God, the truths of God, and deceive yourself in listening to the Word of God. Do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. I don't want to be deceived. So that means... We need to do what it says. So he elaborates on this, verse 23. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. So, what? You know, hey, James, help me out here. You know, I, I was just bragging on him about how straightforward he is. But this is a little strange. So let's talk this through and see if we can get an idea of what James is saying. So if you look in a mirror and then you walk away and you forget what you look like, that's what it's like if you don't put the Word of God into practice. Like, okay, what is he saying? Well, how many of you have looked in a mirror today? Oh, quite a few. Why did you look in the mirror? Because you might need to make some adjustments, right? You know, you look in the mirror, you pull out the comb, and you're like, "Yeah, I'm good." You know, put put the comb away. But you know, you gotta got to straighten your shirt, make sure that the shaving worked, you know, like maybe you got a nick, oh, better deal with that. You look in the mirror to see, you know, do I have spinach in my teeth? You know, and if so, I'm going to make an adjustment. So you look in the mirror to see who you are and what you need to change. And what James is saying is that if we look at the word of God, and we don't do it, it's like looking at who we are and what we need to change and just ignoring it. And he brings that into the positive side in verse 25. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. So we've got two options, and I'm going to quiz you on this. I'm going to ask you which one is better. We've got blessed, and we've got deceived. Which one would you prefer, blessed, blessed or deceived? Blessed is better. Blessed is putting the Word of God into action, and deceived is hearing it but not doing it. Let's go with blessed. Blessed is way better. So, James continues on, chapter 2, verse 14. He has a lot of things to say about this, so let's look at a few of them. What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? I'll leave the theology up to you on that one. Verse 15. Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, Go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? So that'd be like you, you got a friend who's got a flat tire and you're driving by and you roll your window down and you're like, May your tires always be full and just keep going. You know, like, thanks. You know, what, what good is that? You know, blessings upon your flat tire. Let it be not flat. Well, hey, you know, start pumping the jack up and help me out. You know, like that's, that's what you're looking for. Something practical, something helpful. Verse 17, in the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. That's a pretty strong statement. Faith by itself, it, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. We want action. And verse 18, but someone will say you have faith I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. I will show you my faith by what I do. Have you heard it said actions speak louder than words? I will show you my faith by what I do. Now, this is a call to action. I like watching action movies. I don't know if you guys are action movie types. But, oh yeah, here's what happens in action movies. The bad guys are chasing the good guys, right? And the good guys are are running through difficult terrain or driving through difficult cities or whatever the case may be but there's obstacles and maybe the good guys in their group they come up upon a big brick wall or something and now they have to figure out what to do and in our case I want to use the example of you're running through the forest you know with your good guy friends and we got to get there and and all of a sudden you break through the forest and there's a huge cliff and a waterfall and you're like ah what are we gonna do the bad guys are like 15 seconds behind us and one of the good guys will inevitably say Let's jump. And the other person will say, no. And then this person will say, trust me. What does that mean? If the other person says, I trust you, then they jump. What if that person said, I trust you? And this one said, okay, let's go. And they said, (laughs) well, forget that. I trust you. I'm not jumping. (laughs) You know? And then they have a little discussion, and 15 seconds later, the bad guys catch them and they're done. You know? I mean, that would be the end of the movie. It'd be no good. You have to, if you trust the person, you jump. If we trust Jesus, we do what he says, we follow through on his word, we put it into practice, we live it out. That's what we're called to do, to show our faith by what we do. And then to finish up James, we'll go to James 4.17, a couple chapters down. James says, anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it sins. And again, sin, modern translation would be bad choices. So anyone who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it is making a bad choice. It's a bad choice. You know what you should do. You don't do it. That is in the deceived category rather than the blessed category. Deceived, you know, sin brings deception. Obedience to God brings blessing. We want to be in the blessed category. So James has a lot to say about putting our faith into action. And Jesus has a lot to say about putting our faith into action as well. In fact, Jesus preached the greatest sermon ever, the Sermon on the Mount. Someday we'll we'll do a sermon series called The Greatest Sermon Ever Preached, and people will think I'll be talking about my, my own sermon. And But it'll be Jesus' sermon, and we'll just go through this, the Sermon on the Mount because it's wildly amazing, wonderful stuff. And at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talks about... Building a house on a rock versus building a house on sand. It's the conclusion of the greatest sermon ever preached. It is the the bring it home moment. And here's what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. So we see a house built on a rock. We see a house built on sand. How do we build our house on the rock? Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And puts them into practice is the key phrase. We like to admire the Word of God. You know, people like to think it's really good, but then not actually do it. Jesus says if you put it into practice, you build your house on the rock. What is Jesus talking about putting into practice? Well, it was the Sermon on the Mount. What are the topics in the Sermon on the Mount? I'm just going to do the best I can here without my glasses, and I'm going to tell you, The topics in the Sermon on the Mount, things like, you are the light of the world. Things like, don't just not murder, don't hate people. Love your enemies. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Be a person of your word. He talks about prayer and fasting and giving. He talks about storing up treasures in heaven, not judging others. He even says not to worry. Don't worry. He says, enter through the narrow gate. And he finishes that up with, if you put this into practice, you'll be like a house built on a rock. If you just hear it and don't put it into practice, you might feel strong and like things should work out for you because you've just heard the powerful word of God, but if you don't put it into practice, your house is on sand. And here's the deal, there is no promise that when you decide to follow Jesus that your life will be easy. In fact, quite the opposite. Let's look at John 16:33. Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says, you know, I have told you these things that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. What's the promise? The promise is it doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not. It doesn't matter who you are. You will have trouble. The promise is not that we will avoid trouble. Here's what the promise is. The promise is that if you put the truths of God into practice, In your life, you will grow into the type of person who can weather the storm. You will become the sort of person who can not only survive the difficulties of this world, but be able to thrive in the midst of a difficult and cruel world. The promise is that we will become overcomers. Jesus says, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And we can get in on that if we put his word into practice. If we grow into the sort of person who can love our enemies, who can not worry, who can do the things of God. And these are a battle. Love your enemies. Is that a choice? I I think of it this way. It's a level of spiritual uh, development to attain to. It's like it's down the road when we finally grow into that, we'll have gotten somewhere. You don't just simply choose, there's a lot of heart work that needs to happen first to get there. As we put these things into practice, we begin to grow. We begin to change. We rise up into someone who is not overcome, but who overcomes. That's the promise, that we become overcomers. I like that promise. That's blessed rather than deceived. I want to be someone who doesn't have to be afraid that difficulties are on the horizon. But who knows, today's the day we overcome. Today is the day we are more than conquerors. Today is the day where we face hardship and difficulty, but our hearts aren't broken. What a promise. That even though there are troubles, he has overcome the world, and we're with him. Hallelujah. So, how do we put our faith into practice at Good Hope Tur- at Good Hope Church, if this is such an important thing to do individually, it's also very important to do corporately. It's important that we, as an organization, are putting our faith into practice because, again, we have a vision statement so that we don't get off track. Because it's very easy for churches to think, "Wow, we need to have the best music ever." You know, like it's not really about having great music because then people will come and you know, and, and get off track. No, we want to connect with God we want to grow in, in our faith, and we want to make a difference. That's what we're here for. I hope the music is great. You know what I mean? But I hope it's worship. Yes. I hope the preaching is good. And if you laugh, that's awesome. If, you know, that's, I'm, I got nothing against that. But here's the deal. I want the Word of God to hit you and the Holy Spirit to start doing things in your heart to where you're squirming in your seat. You know, that's a good thing. I'm looking for that. (laughs) We want to be growing. We want to be reaching up, rising up, and reaching out. So, How do we do that at Good Hope Church? What are some of the practical pieces of the vision? We've done a lot of scripture and kind of theory. What's the practical? Well, I've broken up a few things, and this doesn't even include the people that, you know, like talking about volunteers. I think we've got 160 people on our volunteer roster that help in various ways that have been through the foundations class. And yeah, it's fantastic stuff. But this is, this is kind of, uh, we need all those volunteers to do these things, but these are the things. So as far as reach up, remember, you know, this is, we're the, we're the casual people. You know, this is my dressed-up week because it's Communion Sunday, and so a lot of times I'll wear a tie on Communion Sunday. But I, di- I did the, the polo and the nice sh- nice pants today. You know, that's all right. It's pretty pretty good. Um. I used to wear a tie all the time, but you know, we're we're not we're not super formal, so we don't have like holy articles, you know, and and, so what's holy, if. If this is a church, there has to be something holy. What's the holy thing? And it's, it's holy moments with God. It's that connection with God. We want to have holy moments. During worship, we want a holy moment. And the thing with that is, you've got to go get yourself a holy moment. You know, one person can be right here having a holy moment. The person right next to him can be thinking, I wish they'd sing a song I like. One person's having a holy moment, the other person is evaluating the service. It's completely different realities right next to each other. We want to seek out holy moments in worship. We want to seek out holy moments during the one-minute blessing. We want to seek out holy moments in the front for personal prayer after the service is over. We want to seek out holy moments in our 365 initiative. That's our prayer initiative. We want people praying for our prayer list every day of the year. In October, we add fasting to it. We do fasting and prayer for the month of October, but for the rest of the year, it's just prayer, so you don't have to fast during the 365 initiative. Some people thought they had to fast. They're quite afraid of that. Anyway, it would be okay. You just have to pray. Get yourself a, a, a prayer guide and sign up for a day and, and pray. That's 365. We've got SOAP, the Scripture Observation Application in Prayer. That's a, a way for us to be reading the Bible. We're in the book of Luke right now. And you know, be reading the Bible as believers. We encourage uh, daily devotions. That's reach-up types of stuff, holy moments we're trying to grab hold of, and then rise up. We want to rise up into the unified body of Christ. You know, seriously, getting Christians to work together is a difficult thing, especially in the casual circles, you know, because we're all our own person and we want to do our own thing. And getting people working together is fantastic, and that's what we call, or what I would call, the unified body of Christ. We want to rise up into the unified body of Christ. And we do that internally and we do that externally. There are things we need to do as a group to get to know each other and be united one with another so we can walk through life together. And there's things that Good Hope Church does in order to be able to create relationships with other churches, other denominations, to be able to be part of the unified body of Christ. Um... On Thursday, there's going to be a Cloquet Ministerial Alliance meeting right here at Good Hope Church. There's going to be Lutherans and Catholics and Methodists and all, you know, all kinds of people here. And we're going to be gathering together. We'll have devotional time and we'll go through, uh, you know, we're going to talk about VBSs over the summer and coordinating those so there's not unnecessary overlap and things like that. It's just, it's a it's a fantastic, wonderful thing. This is my third year, Now I'm in the third year of being the chair of the Cloquet Ministerial Alliance. It's very exciting to be part of that. And uh, it's neat as a fairly new person to be involved in that respect, and it's, it's pretty neat. Uh, with regards to the Assemblies of God, in the, in the northeast section, I'm the assistant presbyter, and I'm also on two church boards besides Good Hope Church, helping them with their decision-making and trying to help them grow. You know, we, we are part of other things that are going on, and then that fellowship meeting on Friday night is, is that group coming together. You know, and and we want to make that an awesome time with God. That's external stuff. Then internal, within the church, you know, we want to build relationships and connections with each other. And what I am so excited about is the fellowship hall that I get to look at now through through the windows. And I can see all the way back to the birch trees on the hill. And it's very exciting to me. And here's why it's exciting. I do like looking at birch trees, but... What it means to me is there will be tables set up where people can sit down and talk to each other for lengths of time. And instead of the cramped little entryway, we'll have places where people can go. And what I want to see is small groups happening opposite the service. So like you might have a nine o'clock small group in the fellowship hall and come to church at 1030. You might come to church at 10.30 and have a lunch small group where you eat food together and and do your small group. Wouldn't that be something? Imagine if your small group discussed your SOAP, your daily devotional Bible reading, and you led the small group. You'd be able to come to big group and small group. You'd be able to serve and do devotions all wrapped up together in one thing. Wouldn't that be fantastic? Talk about spiritual growth being catapulted. You'd, You'd be set. I'm very excited about that. Because man, we need each other. And it's cool to worship together and everybody face forward and that sort of thing. But that's only a piece of the puzzle. We need individuals that know us, know what we're going through so we can, we can have support. Because in this life, you will have trouble. And you're not meant to go it alone. You're meant to have brothers and sisters in Christ help you through it and at least care and pray. I'm very excited about that. We've got women's group, meal ministries, other things that build internal connections and then reach out. We reach out into this world. A tenth of everything that comes into Good Hope Church that's undesignated goes to missions. And uh, through our mission support, we've got a whole bunch of missionaries that that we support. And uh, it's pretty fun stuff. We support some uh, some small church efforts in our section. We support the general superintendent in Jamaica. We've got people in Sweden, the Middle East, Italy, Indochina, Myanmar, Mali, Cambodia, Superior, Wisconsin at Chi Alpha. We support Jacob's Hope, a, a ministry for the nation of Israel and Jewish people around the world. We're supporting a ministry in Minneapolis, inner city. Uh, Christian Missions, Christ Connection, Kevin Sennepenaratna was a prayer ministry, RV Maps, we support them on a monthly basis, Uh, Wes Vogley, they came and helped us with our building project, Young Life and Cloquet we support through that 10%, Rural Compassion, um, Children's Cup in Swaziland, Latin American Child Care, Reach America Home Missions, and we support the Church Multiplication Network and our own church planting fund right here uh, in in good hope church and so we're reaching out through missions we've got our jamaica uh, project coming up in march very excited about that we're on the radio trying to get the word out uh lots of different things good hope's got talent that was super fun you know and we raised 870 dollars for the uh for the water storage tank fantastic it's great stuff That'll buy some blocks and mortar, man. It's going to be good. Um, We've got the Aged Ministers offering. We took on uh, Christmas Eve, $1,400 for the Aged Ministers uh, Relief Fund. Fantastic stuff. And then as we grow, we're looking to develop campuses, plant churches, have the reach go out and be able to have a greater impact. You know, this is a fantastic building. And, you know, uh, I want... It's neat that every row has people in it. Wouldn't it be neat if there was, like, nowhere to sit at all? You know, that'd be even better. And then we need to plant churches. We need to we need to do other things, have campuses, really uh, expand into the whole community, in a whole region. It's, it's There's lots and lots we can do to reach out with the truth of God. This is Communion Sunday. I'm going to invite the ushers and the prayer teams up. We're going to hand out the communion elements. And... Uh, As we do that, I want to tell you about an individual in the Old Testament named Uzzah. How many people know about Uzzah in the Old Testament? we got a few. All you got to do to look like you know what you're doing is find something obscure and talk about it, and people think you're smart. But uh, anyway, I was listening to the Bible on tape years ago, and I heard the story of Uzzah, and it was like, what in the world just happened here? It was very confusing to me. And... This is why we put our faith into practice. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, no sense uh, waiting too long. We got we got our holy moment now, but we got our football moment later. So, we gotta. Hey, have your holy moment now, and then you can have your football moment with no guilt, right? <laughs> Praise God. So, nothing wrong with that. So here's the deal. With Uzzah. The Ark of the Covenant, the great Ark of the Covenant was taken in battle, and the nation of Israel had been without the Ark, but then they got it back, and they're very excited about it, and they're gonna bring the Ark to Jerusalem. So let's go to First Chronicles 13:6. They're very excited about this, this great victory. David and all the Israelites with him went to Bala of Judah, Kiriath-Jerim, to bring up from there the ark of God the Lord, who is enthroned between the cherubim. The ark is called by the name. So enthroned between the cherubim, that's what we read about, the mercy seat. Go boldly before the throne of grace. That's this, between the cherubim. Verse 7. They moved the ark of God from Abinadab's house on a new cart with Uzzah and Ahio guiding it. Doesn't that sound nice? You put the ark of God on a brand new cart. Verse 8. David and all the Israelites were celebrating with all their might before God with songs and with harps, lyres, tambourines, cymbals and trumpets. You think the worship time was good this this morning? This was a parade of thousands of people worshiping with all their might. It would have been deafening and, and you could have heard it from miles away and they're traveling with the Ark of God and they're just, they're just stoked. And here's what happens. When they came to the threshing floor of Kiddon, Uzzah reached out his hand to steady the Ark because the oxen stumbled. So imagine oxen. These are big animals, and they're pulling a cart. Imagine an oxen stumbling. It's not going to be good. The ark of God is on the cart attached to the oxen, and Uzzah, son of Abinadab, steadies the ark. You don't fall off this cart. You're the ark of God. you don't get to touch the ark. It's irreverence. Verse 10. The Lord's anger burned against Uzzah and he struck him down because he had put his hand on the ark so he died there before God. We'll just leave it there. What happened? I mean, wouldn't you do that? I would do that. That's what, I read that, I'm like, I would steady the ark. I'm not watching it fall. But here's the deal. God had made very specific instructions on how to carry the ark. There were rings in each corner of the ark that big poles slipped through and there were three men to carry it on either corner. The Levites transported the ark, 12 men. But David thought, you know what? It's a long ways to go It doesn't really matter if we carry it on the poles or we put it on a cart. We'll get a new cart. It'll look really nice. We'll we'll honor it that way. It'll be fine. So they put the ark on a cart. And someone who I don't think was involved in the decision-making, Uzzah, paid the price. There are times when we are putting our faith into action where we will not understand why God said to do something a certain way. Why do 12 people have to carry it? We can put it on a cart. That seems way smarter. But God said, no, 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 no. Put the poles in it and 12 men. After they left this situation, there were 12 men carrying the ark. It never went on a cart again. They understood what they had done wrong. But here's the deal. In our lives, where are we when we don't understand what God is saying? Are we willing to say, I trust you, I'll do it anyway? Or do we say, no, 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 I don't get that one. Love my enemies. That's foolishness. I'm going to ask for forgiveness and hate my enemies. Well, that's deceived. We want to be blessed. We put the word into practice. One of the things that Jesus said was do this in remembrance of me we are to follow the instruction to remember for all the ages the sacrifice that Jesus made and you know again we're the, we're the easy going people we've got a piece of bread and some juice and you can eat a piece of bread and drink some juice or you can have a holy moment right now or you remember what Jesus did for you our heavenly father is a good father and we are loved by him and this sacrifice proves it so let's pray let's receive communion this morning heavenly father we honor you and we worship you we know there are ways of yours that we don't understand and there are ways of yours that we don't want to follow But Lord, help us to put our faith into action and do what you say when we don't understand and do what you say when we don't want to because we know that is the road to blessing. That is the road to putting our house on the rock. That is the road to being an overcomer instead of one that is swept away by the storm. We thank you, Lord, that when we make mistakes, when we fail, when we fall, when we are unworthy, that we don't have to stand in the midst of our sin, but we can thank you for forgiveness of sins and that we can be washed clean and be completely free from our past mistakes. What an incredible blessing that is. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for paying the price for our sin that we can be clean. We remember what you've done. We will not forget.